And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic and it's our 150th episode and what a way to market them with mass panic after a terrible performance in the League Cup quarterfinal against the team bottom of the Premier League. Right before the trip to Old Trafford to meet an informed Manchester United side. Sam Lee, we wouldn't have it any other way, would we? <laughs> yeah, not nothing really special here. Just a, I don't know. I, the thing is, normally you come on here and if, if you're feeling panicked or whatever, you don't you don't normally listen to this for a rant, but you maybe listen to it for a bit of perspective. But I don't know if I can tell people to calm down. We'll kind of have to work through that as we as we go on. Yeah, we'll find out what happens. Uh, just a quick note before we start as well, Sam. You're uh, you're actually in Chester today. You're reporting on the uh, Mendy trial, uh, which is why yeah. if anybody uh, hears anything, there's there's noise going on in the background, isn't there? So that's that's why uh, that's what that's yeah. where you are. That's why we've got atmosphere this week. Exactly, yeah, a lot of atmosphere. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, the reasons for being, you know, obviously we're, we're awaiting verdicts. Um, and yeah, as soon as we have those, um, people will know. But other yeah. than that, let's crack on with yeah, the plenty of other stuff. Plenty of other stuff to talk about. Well, uh, you can read everything on City and more in The Athletic right now for £2 a month for 12 months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod and sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. Um, Sam, I think the place to start for uh, getting from how they played so well in the FA Cup against Southampton to how they uh, against Chelsea to how they played against Southampton uh, is by uh, well, let's, let's let Guardiola himself pick out what went wrong. Here's what he said after the game. The best in one. They were better. We had a bad night and we didn't play good. We didn't react and good in the bad start and yeah, we we didn't perform well and to win games, yeah, I'm not talking titles, win games you have to deserve it. So I wanna deserve you know, to when I win something I wanna deserve it and today it was not the case, so that's why Southampton deserves to be in semi finals uh, in this competition. Is that more frustrating than sort of maybe the attitude of the players? Attitude is always, it was a bad night, so I know them quite well and today was not even close to what uh, what we are. So we can pass the three days in Chelsea and today, so it's a big difference. So, and, uh, so no, nothing to say, so uh, they were better. We went there better, you have to congratulate them, accept it and improve. So on our last show, Sam, we weren't really sure about the performance against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge in the Premier League. Uh, there were then questions over the shape and the personnel picks for, for different positions. All sounds a bit familiar, that, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it does. Um, the, the thing about that is, well, it, yeah, in terms of going back to what I said at the start about, I'm not really sure if I can say about, oh, don't panic or do or whatever. It's just, it's... After the Chelsea game at the weekend, he was like, it's easy. I can just show them a few clips of how we played today. Show the players that before the Southampton game and say, this is what we are. Do that. And if you don't do that, it doesn't matter who you are. You're not going to play. So then to go from that to this, which was shocking, 
like terrible from start to finish. That's the concern, really. That's my concern right now. It's like, you know, because obviously the, the follow-up question there was about attitude and Guardiola kind of kind of shrugged that off and just went back to the overall kind of not ready. But it, it does kind of come back to the attitude of, of the players, I think. And although, because basically every answer that Pep had in that press conference was what you played. So there was another three or four questions and all the answers were what he just said. It was just about, oh yeah, we had a bad night. But it's, and one of the other things he said was, there's only two games this season where we've actually been poor. And he said, Brentford and obviously the Southampton game. Um, and I mean, people can argue whether that's the case or not, but obviously with him saying what he said after the Chelsea game in terms of, I'll just show them, this is what we need to do. Um, and it's easy. They can, and then they're going to have to do it. He'd obviously felt that they needed to recoup that slightly. Um, and you know, particularly after the Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge and and all of those kind of things, it was almost like right. We've kind of he said that they're alive, didn't he? Yeah. And maybe that wasn't his meaning, but the implication before that meant they weren't, and then they were, and now they're not again. So my concern is being up and down, but also this this is the problem with kind of look. It's football. You analyze game by game, but. <sighs> I don't know if this is being charitable or whatever, but what's a good way to kind of shake yourself out of that? Play Man United at Old Trafford. So, you know, will they be alive again at the weekend? There's a good chance. Yeah. And then yeah. how do you stay in that? you got Tottenham next week. You're alive again. I mean, the, the only concern would be, hypothetically, if they carried on not being ready in the way that they weren't last night and they were shocking in the next game and the next. And then you, think, then you start to think, what is going on here? But obviously with it being such a big game and... I don't know, everyone being up for it and, and that kind of thing. It it should help. And also, so after the Chelsea game, the cup game, I didn't think they were particularly good, actually, over over the 90 minutes. They obviously were good in spells in the first half. And look, you, you could justifiably say that at half, half time, you know, they'd done what they needed to do. In the second half, they didn't really need to... Yeah, they just played to it, about it too much. Yeah. And obviously, Guardiola was very happy with how they played for what I've just said and other things as well. But I didn't think they were especially good. And I'm not just saying that now um, that they've lost to Southampton. But obviously, you know, there were were more positive things. And then just going back to, yeah, the next game, it, it, it all kind of ties together with the World Cup, I think. And what I wrote after the Chelsea game was, and what I asked Guardiola was, I think settling down now. And he answered it at first along the lines of, oh, you know, well, you know, this game, we didn't do this, and this game, we did do that, and, you know, it changes. And my point wasn't that just because City had beaten Chelsea, that everything's coming together, but just the simple fact that people are coming back now from the World Cup. You know, Alvarez has now played a couple of games. Um, Cancelo, Christ, we'll come on to him. But Cancelo is now playing games again. Walker. Walker's back into the mood, yeah. You know, they, they are playing games. So although it hasn't been great, the way I looked at it after the Chelsea game was, okay, things are settling down in terms of people coming back. You know, the overweight problems should be behind people. Um, the attitude problems should be behind people. You know, people are getting more minutes in their legs. Um, and then it, it's settling down. Obviously, last night was a massive setback in terms of the performance and there was concerns there and maybe things aren't settling down quite so much. But in terms of minutes in the legs and these kind of things, maybe they, you know, maybe it is still useful and it's funny because when we did the first podcast back and I was like we'll get to January the 14th and nobody will be talking about the World Cup like that is kind of almost <laughs> exactly what's going on but 
It's January the twelfth as we record, by the way. Yeah, and obviously the fourteenth <laughs> being the, the the derby. That is almost exactly the case, but I was wrong in the fact that my point then was people won't be talking about the World Cup because we'd have just moved on and it won't really be a factor. But I think it is a massive factor. Um and I'm not just saying that because you know they're struggling. Um, just it's just people coming back at different speeds, and whether that's attitude or fitness. Obviously, Diaz is injured, um, and things like that. It, it's it's not been easy. And we also did say on that first podcast back that it's a bit like a preseason, isn't it? And City fairly often start the season poorly, but then yeah, slowly building, but then get their get their get their act together. And now, obviously, that is the hope now that City then do go and do that. But um, yeah, this is it's lingering more than you'd like it to. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's. Um, let, I'm going to pick apart the two goals that Southampton scored to start with. Um, I mean, the first one, I, I think, is a perfect oh. example of why Guardiola doesn't want City to play when they're not in his quotes stable. Um, it's thought like that transition issue. One loose pass from Gomez, and suddenly, despite it being on the halfway line and there being bodies back everywhere, Southampton were in because City were not set up to deal with it. Yeah, well, yeah, it's kind of losing the ball on a. On a transition, isn't it? Or like as you're kind of you're still building up, they're not in their positions, and you know that's not a patience thing. It's not a control thing. But you know that's obviously the kind of thing that Guardiola wants to avoid. They weren't, you know, rushing it. Um, they just gave it away. And if you give the ball away in those build-ups, that's not a city thing. Anyone can do that. I remember England did it against um, Iran. Like Trippier gave away a shocking pass in the build-up, and all of a sudden. It ran like I had a man at the back post, and you look at Luke Shaw going, Luke Shaw's miles away, but he was supposed to be miles away because he'd already pushed up onto the wing. Yeah, yeah. But then all of a sudden he had to run back 80 yards. It's never going to happen. So that's the danger of giving the ball away there. But go- I mean, Gomez was awful, and he was one of the two I earmarked to come off at half time along with Palmer. But Gomez was shocking. But the, the thing was, City had obviously lost the ball and then recovered it, and then you think, okay, it's fine now. But like you say, give the ball away like that when they're unorganized. And Jill Scott made a really good point at halftime, which isn't something I would have picked up on or a lot of people would have picked up on. She was like, he could have, he could have carried that to the next line, you know, where Grealish was. He tried to give it to Grealish. But she said, if he just carries that to where Grealish was on the, on the halfway line, Grealish obviously runs up the pitch and then you can give it in then. But yeah. bad decision, bad execution. It was poor on the night. I mean, I, it's early days. It's early days. So, you know, if, if people say Calvin Phillips isn't playing very well, I go, oh, fine, he isn't. But, like there's loads of context for that. Same as Grealish, and same as you know, Rodri a couple of seasons ago. Everyone, um, but same same thing with Gomez. He's not playing very well. He doesn't look particularly, um, I don't know, up to the level of the rest of the squad. But then again, he come from Anderlecht. He's played left back for one season. He hasn't played regularly for City. So what you expect? But yeah, I'm not. You know, I wouldn't expect to see him play in the derby. But if he did, I wouldn't be especially hopeful. Um, but yeah, there's there's obviously context around that. But yeah, that that was the that was the big killer for the for the first Southampton goal, and obviously yeah. a good finish. Well, this is this is the thing. Like, obviously, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh well, Southampton did this, and and City were actually fine. City weren't fine; they were crap. But Southampton's performance was kind of yeah similar. I know, to I know what how you mean. they've done in the past. Like they they weren't letting those balls go through into the middle. But when the balls did go through, it's like Rod, well, Rodri eventually, but Phillips, or you know Gundogan and and Foden at the side of him. That's when they would press. They would they would try and stop. They wouldn't press up high. They'd try and guard the ball from going into the middle by their positioning. When the ball did go in there, then they'd press, and that really disrupted City. And look, City were terrible, but that was very effective from Southampton. It's how they've had good results against City uh, in the past as well. And it just kind of, 
it, yeah, it just added up to this this mess, really. And it, it it's funny, isn't it? Because if you were to say to me, "Would you want teams to press City?" I'd say, "Yeah," but I would automatically think, you know, press up high, because if you press City up high, they normally find su- superiority, don't they? They normally get around it. Couple of passes around it, into space behind, and yeah. then exactly loads of space behind, and they've got one of those transition-looking situations, which they can be so good on. And it's you know it's exciting and it's all the stuff that people want to see, um, but obviously if you don't press them up high, but you do press in them in the in the middle, you start to well there there can be problems um, as Southampton have shown a few times and obviously last night it did throw City off their rhythm, but again it was just oh yeah shocking yeah well uh, the second goal then I mean there's just a I mean just buried under the avalanche of mistakes in that goal. Um, we'll start with, I mean, Phillips doesn't get hold of the loose ball in the middle. Cancelo steps up and dives in when, I mean, he probably doesn't really have a chance of winning the ball. Um, Ortega then decides to stand on the edge of his box instead of uh, dropping into into his position. Like there's, it, it, again, it's another one of those that's a great finish, but like there's there's so many like issues in the build-up that, I mean, God, I was going to say tearing his hair out, but you know what I mean. Like he must have been looking at it and was was just like, well, "Where do I begin with this?" Yeah, well, you know, obviously, people listening to this podcast after 150 episodes will know that I have a tendency to bang on about certain things throughout a season, um, and it's not. It's partly because I can't assume that everybody's heard previous podcasts or read every article, but partly, mostly because it's like, well, these are just important and. In the, oh God, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this season as an example, but it's not. But anyway, in the 1920 season, when Rodri came in, one of the things I was banging on about was they know that Rodri needs time to to learn. One, there was a few things, but one thing in particular was when to go up and press and try and win the ball back, and when to just and and obviously if you lose out or you're caught in no man's land and they play it around you, you left a load of space behind you, or when he should stay back. And obviously that was one of the things he was struggling with at a time when everything else was on fire because, you know, Fernandinho had to play centre-back and, and all of this. And it was very important um, to his personal development and how City played that season. But then you just look at Phillips and the, the way he tried to jump up to win that ball last night, I think that's fairly similar. Yeah. And it's just the same kind of thing. So it's like, and you know, that was Phillips' first start for City through injury and World Cup and everything else. So it's like those kind of problems are inevitable. But yeah, that was one issue. And you look at it and you just think, well, Everyone like, hated Rodri three years ago, didn't they? Like, like everyone thought he was terrible, <laughs> and now he's amazing. So it's like it's the same thing, you know. I've not always said Grealish is amazing throughout this thing, but I was like, even if he is bad, we understand it, we understand why, and we'll give him time. And it's the same thing with Phillips now. And last night, his his role in that goal was a, was just a big, very obvious example of that adaptation. And yeah, with Ortega, he'd obviously, as he had been all night, he'd anticipated. The through ball, so he could come and sweep it up, but got it wrong, yeah. um, and it was and it was well executed. And then, I mean, Cancelo, like obviously, this isn't the case. Well, well, should we I don't think Cancelo? Cancelo. I don't think Cancelo did literally anything right all night. And I'll say the word literally; it wasn't literally. But for emphasis, like if I'd seen a graphic saying he completed one pass out of forty-seven, I'd be like, "Yep, like shocking." Uh, yeah. But the thing is, with Gomez and Palmer, at least they came off at half time, and that was it. But it's like, but like, uh, the foul throw at the end, like I don't like doing the kind of that sums it all up kind of bollocks because it's never that simple, is it? But I mean, it was bad enough in the first half when Gomez did it, but when he did a foul throw at the end, you just think, oh, it's one of those where I, clearly that I don't mean this, but never mind, he shouldn't play in the derby. He shouldn't have played for anyone ever. You just go and just do something else. 
I'll t- take up another hobby. Like that's that's how bad he was. But I mean, again, if we are picking a team for the weekend, mm-hmm. I wouldn't put I wouldn't put him in it. But if he did and he played left back, it I w- it wouldn't be the end of the world. You know, I do always have yeah. faith not just in this team, but teams generally to to change things from you know one game to the next. But oh, yeah, he was just awful, wasn't he? I was sent a that- video in the first two minutes. He touched the ball three times and gave it away every time. This first, <laughs> during his first touch after like six seconds or something, he just tried to control it. He tried to control it and run onto it, but it was it just looked shocking. He he didn't get anywhere near his own touch and like two Southampton players got there first. It was like, right, good start. And then it basically didn't get any better. That that feels like it almost set the tone for the night, though, not just for him, because the number of times where I I, I almost tweeted at one point um that City was struggling to get the ball under control and them all pinging it at mm. pinging it at each other was probably not helping them. Um, but I, I just remember watching it and, and thinking, like Southampton were were doing, like you were saying, that that kind of half sit off and then press um, that they've that they've done impressively in the past. And it was almost like they were just waiting for the touch and then going right, okay, there it is, and then I'll I'll go and get it. And the touch was was bad every time, and it wasn't just Cancelo. It, like, I remember I remember seeing that from Rodri. I remember seeing it from Gundogan. I remember seeing it from Palmer. The number of times where it was just fired into feet and. It was like you know, like you know, like when we play six aside and it's a wet night and then nobody, the ball's skidding around everywhere. It was like that. Yeah, well, it was a bit like that against Chelsea. We talked about like, the dossier of turnovers and giving the ball away and how poor they were, in, just individually. Um, yeah, again, it was like that again. It's it's difficult to separate Southampton's approach from that because obviously Southampton were putting a lot of pressure on them, um, and it did just knock them off their rhythm. But it was just at no point really. Um. Did City ever settle back into it or even, you know, control the game and look? You know, like people talk about 1920, but in 1920, City would have at least had them camp back in their box but not created anything. I City couldn't even manage that last night. Yeah. Um, but I mean, interesting. Right, they just did, they it, did that in 1920 at St. Mary's, didn't they? They lost 1 0 to that Jay Adams goal and, uh, yeah, and, when, and spent when, the entire game passing it around yeah, the edge of again, the box. Again, when Edison was off his line and people, in fact, it was the same thing I was saying about Luke Shaw a minute ago when he played for England. Edison was off his line then. And people were like, oh, what's he doing? But it's because like, I think Zinchenko gave it away like, in the build-up in just a terrible area you don't do, kind of similarly to, to Gomez. Uh, and he got chipped, so it was very similar. Um, I've just seen a quote that was posted this morning by Mike Mine um, from Radio Manchester from Gundogan. I didn't see this because obviously I was on the way over to, to Chester this morning and then in court this morning. So this is from Gundogan. He says, we've won games, but I feel like something is missing, something's off. At the minute, there's a special recipe missing performances, the desire and hunger is not as in recent years. Hopefully the Southampton loss was the right wake-up call for us. Fucking hell. Yeah. I mean, that they were my two words on the end there. <laughs> not his. <laughs> not his. <laughs> um, but um, it's, kind of what, it's kind of what I've said earlier, isn't it? But what I, you know, what I kind of project from the outside isn't necessarily the case. But if he's, if he's saying something's missing, um, you know, I, do think, I do think it's the World Cup and obviously that is what what he was talking about yeah and yeah so for Gundogan to say this obviously I mean it's a strange place to put it in but I've only just seen it and it's obviously very relevant um, and then yeah but again it, I suppose my analysis is no different it is bad at the minute as Gundogan says hopefully the Southampton thing was a wake up call and obviously if that's not then you know the combination of that and going into the derby and the Spurs game beyond that should help um, but it's very strange because again Guardiola isn't likely to say if they're complacent. Um, although he has been calling players out left, right and centre, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, but in 1920, he wasn't saying, oh yeah, we're complacent. But obviously he said since then that they were. In fact, he said this season, 
he said, yeah, I could tell something was off then. But this time, it's not. Everything's fine. Everything's great. And that was before the World Cup. I think that was with three games left before the World Cup. But obviously now, if Guardiola was telling the truth then, and no reason to disbelieve him, and also I've not heard anything to suggest otherwise, now if there is something off, it's, I don't know. I just think players' players' heads are Scrambled in different places after yeah. the World Cup. And like I said, in terms of settling down, the more time you spend at one place, in terms, of, it doesn't again, it doesn't have to be City, but any players coming back from any, from the World Cup to any club, the more time you spend at your club, the more minutes you play with that club, it is going to help. Um, but yeah, for sure, like we said, there was a few different issues going into last night, and it, yeah. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It, it all kind of brings us on to the derby then, Sam, because yeah. um, in terms of rotation, the team that was picked for um, for the Southampton game was was clearly picked, I think, with the derby in mind and with the two Chelsea games just gone in mind as well. Um, Guardiola was asked if he regretted starting that game with Haaland and De Bruyne on the bench. This is what he said. Yeah, they leave him the bench in Chelsea and didn't ask me the question because we won. Normally it happened. Uh... Always I believe when you play for four competitions, now for three competitions, always you have the feeling that you have to use everyone. Everyone has to be ready. And the guys who don't play, you have to do something in body language to help the guys who are going to play and everybody be involved. So who knows with Erling and Kevin would be have been different. I don't know it. Maybe you don't know it, but I don't know it. So we try to do our best and everyone and we rotate the team. When we play in Chelsea after the, the Premier League, and you know, like you want, it's it's good. Oh, how good, how nice is the decisions? And so I understand how works this business. Always we try to do for everybody involved, and everybody have to do it. And, and today was was not the case. It was everyone. I had the feeling today. It doesn't matter lineup what I'm doing. We are performing this way. Don't tell me why. This is my experience. So it doesn't matter the lineup today you choose. Would would happen. Uh, because we were not, we were not here. 
I think that's interesting. Very. Very. Because it's almost it's almost an admission that this game, like not even not that this game was written off for any reason, or not that that this game was was kind of um, just it was it was clearly the lowest priority of the week. But equally, it's it, it's kind of it, it kind of says that a lot of players are not in the right rhythm. They're not in the right yeah, moment. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I could have picked any. I could have picked anyone, but we'd have been just as bad kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I say, all of his answers were pretty much the same. Um, it, it all kind of came back to them just not being ready, and then you kind of think that that must be attitude and whatever you know, whatever whether it's attitude is in you're grumpy or you're sad, you know. So there's different there's different things there, isn't there? There's different attitudes you can have, and some of them are less ideal than others. But yeah, it's it's interesting that, and I mean, I saw it basically I saw it, it basically says the same as what as what Gundogan said. Yeah, yep. Um, like I say, right now, is it concerning? Absolutely, it is. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I'm like, I don't want to get carried away with anything. But look, if we're if we're doing this, not this time next week, because that'll be the day of the Spurs game. But if we're doing this, let's say in ten days, and we've got a couple more games out of the way, and the results for the more more so the performances haven't been right, then you think, right, okay, there's there's something to worry about here. There is something to worry about here. But right now, you know, like I said, that's an if. But I mean, to City win at Old Trafford on Saturday, quite possibly, yeah, very possibly. So we don't have to worry about it too much. But it's definitely a concern right now. But we just have to wait and see if it's a deep-rooted thing because I don't think it's been going on all season. Um, and if it is just a new thing, then is it temporary? Yeah, it kind of it, it, like it, this. I'm going to call it a malaise, but that's not quite what I mean. It's mm. not quite as extreme as that. Um, but it. it it kind of feels like it's been going on since that Brentford game. And that's a really, really weird time for it to start because that was one game before the, before the break. And kind of like, you can kind of understand it being in the, in the kind of few weeks after the world cup, because like you say, everyone's getting their headspace back together and, and, and people are kind of arriving back at different times and at different levels. Um, But the fact that, that it kind of happened one game before, just like it, it, I can't quite put my finger on why that feels a little bit odd. It just doesn't feel kind of in in the right place. And then when you come to to, to kind of Southampton again, with like picking a side that it, it's almost a side that gives some players rhythm and minutes, and, and gives some players rest and and kind of time to recoup. Hmm. And then you sort of pick the formation around who you want to to play, which is how you end up with Walker at centre back and all that sort of stuff. Why, if, if that's if that's the kind of mo of the game, if that's the that that's the main reason for picking that side, why would you go two 0 down and then throw De Bruyne and Haaland and Akanji on and, and and kind of if if they're the players that you wanted to to leave until I don't know the last fifteen minutes or maybe not bring them on at all? Surely it's just kind of a case of well, whatever happens happens in this game and we just go with it instead no, of. No, I thought you wanted to win. Oh, look, the thing is, so I think he said before the Southampton game, I think. Can't remember now, but what he wanted to do with the Chelsea FA Cup game and the Southampton Carabao Cup game was he said he used the word average, as in I want to give the players an average of minutes. So it's like, you know what I mean? If yeah. maybe if you play against Chelsea, you don't play against Southampton, or maybe you know players. If you get sixty in like, one, you like might get thirty in another. Yeah. Like Al- yeah, and players who have come back like Alvarez, you, you need to play. And Walker and Cancelo, they need to play. You know, we said this before. Yeah, the, the main priority was obviously to get everybody back fit playing minutes in the legs the headspace whatever and you know be in the, the right position to go and play United and Spurs and all these big games I think that makes complete sense but at the same time just because that was the main concern it wasn't a team that Guardiola didn't think could win the game um, in terms of 
okay, he moved a lot of pieces around for Chelsea and people didn't really like that. But there's been a kind of similar reaction to the Southampton game as if he made a load of changes and players in unfamiliar positions. I mean, Walker at centre-back in a back four has never happened before. I didn't think it ever really would. And Seiko Mara run around him and for that really good finish. So yeah, you could, you could say it didn't work. But in terms of, you know, Stones wasn't available, Diaz is injured. Um, I don't know, was Ake going to play in the derby? I don't know. But in terms of the average of minutes, you know, Ake's played a lot, so fair enough, resting him. It, it was all kind of fair enough. It wasn't a terrible team on paper. It wasn't something you'd look at and go, like when, when I read the notes and I saw, it said, look, the team was clearly picked with the derby in mind and the two Chelsea games in mind gone too. These are your notes, so I'm reading that for the benefit of the reader. Does Guardiola regret starting with Haaland and De Bruyne on the bench? When I saw that, I thought that was you asking me or you posing the question. I was like, for fuck's sake, like, how <laughs> like, how much do we listen to Guardiola and know how he works? I know that's a fucking stupid question. Good to know, good to know that I have that effect on you, but it was a question asked to him in the press conference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Then I realised, then, it, then, it, then it, it made it clear that it was part of the audio. And obviously, but obviously... Guardiola's reaction to that question was the same, wasn't it? It was like, look, I, I didn't play them last time and, and we won, so no one questioned it. And also, the other thing is, De Bruyne's been crap anyway. Like, the, how kind of re- knee-jerk reaction is that? Like, oh, you should have played De Bruyne. Like, on what grounds, really? On the grounds of, obviously, it's, it's Kevin De Bruyne and he can do something special. But it's not like he was screaming to play. But anyway, to, yeah, to go back to, to your question on it, um, yeah, the reason he made those changes and brought those players on, it's not because they were knackered. It was just trying to get everyone the same kind of minutes, but he still wanted to win the game. He still wanted to turn it around. He made three changes at half-time because he wanted, and probably still thought, justifiably, I guess, although he was saying, you know, whatever team I pick probably would have lost for whatever reason. Um, probably justifiably at half-time, he was thinking, well, I can, get these, I can get these guys on and we can still win this game. Um, I, th- I think that's the simple, well, I say this is a simple answer. I'll probably talk for another five minutes. But, yeah, it was about getting minutes in the legs and getting everyone ready for the bigger tests and just getting the squad, even if it's not for the bigger tests, even if they had like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of bad Premier League teams, but all the bad Premier League teams that I could think of have given City problems. You know, Everton, Palace, Brighton, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, obviously Brighton aren't even bad, but you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, all of these teams, they, they'd give City problems anyway. But even if they were playing like more average teams that you wouldn't think, oh God, that's a big game, you'd still need to play like Walker, Cancelo, Foden just to get them the minutes and get everything regular again. So that's absolutely fine. And then, yeah, in terms of bringing, bringing on the, the big guns, as it were, it made absolute sense. I mean, some of the players were having absolute stinkers anyway. It just needed to come off. And, yeah, he obviously wanted to rescue the game. He, he wasn't tossing the game out of the window altogether. It was a balancing act, as these games often are, of what, what does the squad need at this moment in time and how can I still win? So it's like when he, in other points of the season, like this was the opposite because he needed to play some of his big players like Walker, Cancelo, Foden. But at other points of the season, he needs to rest them. And when you play a Wickham at home, you can play a back line of 18-year-olds because all your other players are fit and they just need a bit of a rest and then they can go again. But he still picked those 18-year-olds because he was like, well, it's Wickham. So we should still win. And they had Sterling and Ferran Torres and Foden playing. Yeah. So they had plenty of quality anyway. But and it's, got- just, it's always that balance act. You've got to give the squad what they need at that time, but still try to win. Um, and when you've got Chelsea that- or Liverpool in an FA Cup semi-final at the end of a busy week, that's when it takes its toll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just all—it's all of that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, look, we've, we're talking about all of these things, which are hugely relevant. And in terms of the attitude, I do think you know the World Cup's a massive thing. And I suppose now, 
So basically, I've written an article and I wrote it at the start of the week because I've been in court all week. So I've had a lot of time, but just waiting for the for the verdicts. When you're waiting for the verdicts, you sit in the court all day and you wait for a bing bong on the system to get called in to see if they've got any verdicts. And that's how it is. So there's loads of time to kill. So I had an article to write on Alvarez, which I did on Monday, and I had an article to write on Harland. Well, Harland and City generally, which is being published on Friday, which I wrote on Monday, Tuesday. And it's still hugely relevant, but obviously there's a different spin on it now because they lost to Southampton and obviously these Gundogan quotes um, about the attitude, which we'll dig into if needed after the United game. Um, But the thing with the Haaland article is, and talking about me banging on about things because I think they're important. Look, we talked about control. We've talked about Grealish and Marius. But the whole bigger picture to that is he's doing that because you're trying to fit Haaland in. And I know, I think we touched on this after the Chelsea game last week when we did the podcast then. Yeah, we didn't go into great depth said, on it, but yeah. He said before the game, in fact, I've got it up because I've used it as the very top line in the article. Oh, spoilers. He said, he adapted quickly, but many times in the previous seasons, we played with a false nine and had an extra player in the middle. Now the extra player is in the box, so we have to adjust something. That is the key to the whole season. Now that you've got the another issue, and I've said this in the article anyway, like even like, even having written it on Monday before the Southampton game. One of the other issues is the World Cup, but I've not really expanded on it too much, and I kind of did after the Chelsea game in the in the FA Cup. So that's kind of there. But the big issue to the whole season, and not, and again, I've put in the article uh, at that point. I said they were still in all four competitions. Obviously, now they're not. But they've won at this stage of the Premier League season. They've won one more game. They've scored more goals. It's not the results that people are concerned about. It's more so the performances. And this was even the performances when City were winning. Obviously, now City have started dropping points. People are a bit more alarmed. But the reason we're at this midpoint of the season, as well as the World Cup, and we're thinking, what's going on with City? Why don't they look like that? And now, obviously, we've got this attitude concern as well. It's good. Why, 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 what's, what's all this? And, and also, the other thing is, with considering there's lots of people who don't want to see... Um, Grealish and Myers and they want to see it fast. Everyone's going, what's, what's all this about? Why is he doing this? It's all because he's trying to get Haaland into the team and have the same level of control as they had in previous seasons in a completely different way. And he's, you know, I've obviously I'll kind of deduce that from how they're playing and, and from what he said on Sky. But earlier in the week, you know, I spoke to people who, who know Pep and, and know what he's doing. And that is the case. And, you know, I, I kind of asked, you know, I, I did that devil's advocate question. Why doesn't he just go back to playing like he did in 2017-18? When he had Sterling and Sane on the wings, um, Aguero in the middle, blitzing teams, um, all this. Well, why does he do that now? He's like, well, teams that teams adjust. He goes, I don't think Sterling and Sane or that kind of player would be as effective now because teams def- uh, adjust how they defend against them. There's less space for them to exploit. Um, they, you know, there was, this will be in the article, um, but, you know, he gave reasons why Grealish and Mahrez play and why they're favoured there. And basically, the the person I spoke to was talking about, um, well, this particular person about this, was talking about Real Madrid in the Champions League. And he was like, look, don't know why, but City lost control for five minutes. But he was like, Pep's answer wasn't, to go, okay, well, we don't need... The, he, he didn't abandon the, the the plan for control and balance. But he's doubled down, so we need more. Which makes sense. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's difficult if you control not just a game, but a tie for all but 
not even five minutes. I mean, was it three? It's three and a half. Um, yeah. But it's like, well, it's it's a compelling argument. Well, let's say you lost control for those three minutes, and again, people are advocating for some kind of halfway house. It doesn't seem that there is one. But it's like, well, okay, if we've got less control, then that's going to happen more often, and maybe we score more goals. But again, it does kind of go back to. Guardiola's own views on things and you know you could call it paranoia or whatever but again I was and this is obvious this is everyone knows this but again I was told as recently as this week so if anyone's wondering where Guardiola is on this you know he would he would rather have a balanced game the City didn't win than an unbalanced one that they do win or at least he would you know prefer that balanced game which is why I think he was talking after the Chelsea FA Cup win when he said you know they played better against Everton than they, than they did against Chelsea but they drew against Everton and they and they, they beat, beat Chelsea. Chelsea yeah um, so it's the the big thing this season and I, I I didn't want to talk about it too much in this podcast because it is all in the article I'm going to have to change the article slightly because obviously just to reflect the fact that you know they're not in all four competitions and the fact that people are a bit more pissed off and you know there's a bit more of that feeling around City isn't there of what going on what's going on especially after this week did. yeah but it's I mean and, th- and this is the thing right if you could be I suppose you could be irresponsible about this and you could say it's Harlan's fault now it isn't Harlan's fault I mean, you could you could say, because it's not necessarily about Haaland, but it's about how Guardiola sees Haaland. Because another manager with these players wouldn't do it the same way as Guardiola, would they? Maybe they wouldn't. Well, I, I don't know. I doubt they'd be as successful. And again, at this time of the year, we're thinking, what's going on here? Whereas, you know, for argument's sake, I've not put this in the article because it would just be too much. But for argument's sake, if they signed Kane, they wouldn't kind of need to have taken this step back or this step sideways to work out what they are because they've had to completely change how they were playing in the last two seasons, which was very successful and very, you know, I don't know. But obviously others said it was boring, but City fans didn't seem to complain too much about the style like they are now. But they wouldn't have to do that if they had Kane, because Kane suits the style a bit better. But the thing with Haaland is they brought him in. He's obviously done very, very well with 27 goals in 23 games now, or whatever it is. Um, City, they've won one more Premier League game and scored more goals than at this stage last season. So there's, look, I know it's not easy to say this right now. And look, I know they were shy against Southampton. We've talked about that. But overall, they're doing well. And for this adaptation period, considering well, this is it, they're trying to have the same control over games as they had last season in a completely different way. And I say completely different way, but it's like, as Pep said, their extra man last year was in the middle. Now he says their extra man is in the box, but it's not even, it's not even an extra man, is it? It's not an extra man. And it's not one man less. It's just doing something completely different. They it's had an job, extra yeah. man. They had an extra man last year that helped them control games. That's where they got the control from. It helped give them control because they had Foden or De Bruyne a couple of seasons ago. He didn't do it so much last season. Bernardo Silva dropping off. Incredibly intelligent midfield players in different ways, helping to control the game that way. Now, you know, he said an extra man, but it's not an extra man. It's a goal scorer. It's a guy whose instincts are to get in the box. And basically, Guardiola, as you can kind of work out from looking at it, but it was confirmed to me by people who know what's going on or actually know what's going on. He's trying to find different ways to have that control. And obviously, Grealish and Mahrez is a preferred way. People don't like it, but that is his preferred way of having the right balance in the team. And he's always wanted balance in the team. And then obviously the end point of that balance is control of games. And he still wants that balance. But now the balance is people who slow the game down so they can, you know, so they can speed it up at the right moment, but they need someone to slow it down in the first place rather than have it. It's kind of like the Foden debate personified in many ways. Cause you know, whenever we spoke about Foden before he's talked about, well, he needs different gears in his game to slow it down. If we, if we talk about Foden in playing in midfield, 
And that's why he plays on the wing normally. And then, again, the person I was speaking to was saying, look at the Chelsea game. Foden played in midfield. But who he said, and this is kind of word for word, he was like, who was he surrounded by? Mr. Control, Bernardo Silva. And obviously Bernardo wasn't playing in midfield a couple of years ago because he didn't have that control, but now he has. Um, it's Mr. Control, Bernardo Silva, and he was, good, and he was surrounded by Rodri, Walker, uh, Ake, Gomez. Players who pass, pass, pass. He's kind of, the way Guardiola is, he's kind of, I think I've put this in the article, depending on your point of view, you're either harnessing or hampering these talents like Foden and, and Haaland. He's trying to find the right environment for them to thrive and City to have the same control. And he's going through it. And that Chelsea game last week in the FA, in the Premier League, sorry. So the Premier League game when he picked the Mad lineup, that was, as I kind of speculated on the Q&A, maybe on the podcast, but this was confirmed to me, is another way. He was trying to find a different way to have that right balance and that right control, but obviously give the team what they needed in terms of performances and minutes. Um, change, you'll be able to, you know, change if Chelsea played a back five. All these kind of things. He's trying to do all these kind of things at the same time. But yeah, it, he's trying to have this control and he's trying to find out ways. And obviously, the way he went with didn't work. He realised it didn't work. So he made the changes at half time and then he went, well, Grealish and Maris does work, so I'm going to use them. I'm going to go back to and that. And it's like, yeah. when it goes to the derby, who's going to play on Saturday? I don't know, but it's a good... I mean, Maris, Maris even when he was crap, and it, everyone was like, well, that's his last chance. He was terrible. He missed a penalty in one game, didn't he? And played badly, and everyone was like, well, he's not going to play again. And he kept playing. So now he's playing really well. Chances are. I mean, Maris is one of the people I'm most sure is going to start in the yeah. derby. Um the, the interesting thing about Grealish, actually, I was very surprised when Grealish came off against Southampton. I thought he was doing quite well. And he was also popping up in areas in the box where I thought he could get a tap in tonight. Obviously, City didn't actually create anything in the end. So. Yeah, you've got to get the ball to the byline. You've got to exactly. get the ball to the goal but line to get a tap there, in. There, was, there, was a, there were a few moments, particularly before he came off, when he was actually in the box doing all right. Maybe, I don't know, but maybe. Well, part of it, I guess, is, well, Alvarez needs to play as many minutes as possible. Um, just to go back from the World Cup, maybe a part of it was okay. Well, Grealish, you're going to play on Saturday. It's clearly playing. It's on not. Saturday, it's not yeah. working. So bring you off. Play on Saturday. Yeah. There's your average of minutes or whatever. But yeah, so it, 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 the whole season kind of boils down to this way of trying to get the control in completely different ways. And look, if Grealish and Maris is working, especially at the moment when he's not sure about the attitude of his players. Puddy Ali's going to go with tried and tested. But then again, yeah. he said he's got ridiculous ideas for the derby, didn't he? I, I was going to come to what this in a bit, but, but yeah, that, it's going to be the boldest lineup you've ever seen. Um, well, do you know, th- do you know, the, do you know, the most ridiculous thing would be in terms of what people think would think. I don't think he'll do it. And maybe, maybe this is just a joke. Well, it's just a joke. The the most ridiculous thing that people couldn't get their head around is not, you know, Cancelo was a false nine. It's not play Haaland. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like it will do the old Aguero in a derby thing. And play Gabriel Jesus for the pressing yeah. and the and the dropping deep. And who does that this time? Alvarez. That, you know that is one of the things possibly that one of the ridiculous ideas in his head. But yeah. you know, Fan- fantasy honestly, league players everywhere will lose. Could, their you, heads could you? Yeah. Could could you even fathom? Could you even fathom what the other things would be? And I'm yeah. not even sure that's one. But you know, it would make it would kind of make sense, wouldn't it? In terms of he's thinking, uh, he's thinking of ways to win this game. And I don't know if yeah, because it would be mad, wouldn't it? And talk about. Again, I'm full stream of consciousness mode here. We're talking about questions after the game. Oh, do you do you regret not playing De Bruyne? Do you regret not playing Haaland for you know Southampton the Carabao Cup? Imagine he didn't play Haaland and City lost to Derby. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, can yeah. you imagine? Let's 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 cross that bridge if and when we come to it. So. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, yeah. I, again, I think but, I th- I think if again, I don't even know if Guardiola was thinking this because this has happened after I've had that conversation. But maybe I'll ask it again. If he was thinking, he's probably thinking that is ridiculous because you just can't not play Haaland. 
and obviously this is completely hypothetical now. He might not have even been thinking it. But if we're putting him, if we're putting ourselves in his shoes, and we're we're saying he's considering this, I've no idea if he is or not. I could see arguments for playing Alvarez instead, but he would know. He would know himself. You know, if a journalist asked him after the game, "You've just lost to United. You didn't play Haaland. What were you thinking?" He wouldn't. I don't think jump down the journalist's throat and be like, "Ah, but blah blah blah." But he would actually probably say. Oh fuck! That was mental. What, what was I doing? <laughs> because Harlan's just mad, isn't he? You know, because at the end of the day, but as much as he wants City look, to be balanced, uh, I oh, that's interesting. Actually, despite what I said earlier, even if City were very unbalanced with Harlan, or more unbalanced potentially with Harlan than with anything else, he was thinking. But Harlan scored two impossible chances out of two, and City won two one. He wouldn't like that, would he? But I think you'd take it. The situation you're in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A couple of questions because just like just what you've been talking about in terms of of um, kind of balance and setup of the squad is is the issue then partly like the personnel he's got available is it is this an issue that stems from City not addressing the fact that they need fullbacks or you know they've they don't seem to have as much natural width as they as they used to have and they and they're tucking the fullbacks inside as well as tucking the the forward players inside and it, it just kind of like. They're not being the right choices of players in certain positions to be able to get different things out of the team in order to build towards having now Haaland up top. And, you know, they did play a system in, in the Manchester derby at the Etihad that included Haaland and that included Foden and, and, and that had that kind of real attacking verve about it. And they went and picked United apart. And like 6-3, I'm still angry at the fact that it finished 6-3 because it was just nowhere near a 6-3 game. They tore United to so pieces that day. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, Pep. Um, and you know, again, there was that kind of loss of control at the end. I don't know if you, I don't know if you could necessarily blame. You start, you know, the end of the Leeds game, they just got stretched and they got out of control. But again, it 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 ties back into that Real Madrid scenario. You know, the answer is not less control, but more. Um, and yeah, I, I, again, I can't remember who played at the end of that Manchester derby, and if if anyone would be to blame, or if it's just a collective thing. But um, yeah, there were you know everyone after that derby wanted to see Harlan, Grealish, and Foden in the front line, and it just didn't happen. I mean, it has happened again since from the start. I'm not sure if it has. Um, but yeah, um, if yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of scrolling through Twitter as we speak, and um, <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of a lot of views, and look, I, I understand a lot of them. Um, I've just opened up oh. the uh, the soccer base page for that Manchester derby. I didn't realise he made a quadruple substitution on the 75th minute. Um, he, that, he, yeah, it was around that time, wasn't it? Where yeah. like, people were coming, like Alvarez was coming on and Palmer was coming Alvarez, on. Alvarez, Palmer, like, Mahrez and, and it's like, well, yeah. everything just goes to pot because everyone's doing their own thing at the end. So there you go. Yeah, he couldn't really, um, he couldn't really say, oh, that's Phil Foden's fault, you know, because clearly it wasn't. Um, yeah, and it was he went just off, that, so. <laughs> it was just that element of yeah yeah exactly but it's just that element of he was making so many changes at the end of games we we talked about that didn't we like it was just it got to about 20 minutes 20 minutes to go when city were comfortably ahead like the wolves game made loads of changes 
some like kind of in the in the front line really, and everyone was kind of trying to do their own thing and look very individual. And it, yeah, everything just kind of fell apart, and the, it was almost like it wasn't so much that City were in danger of conceding goals, but I remember thinking. These from like my work point of view, I was like these last 15, 20 minutes of games are pointless now. As soon as Pep makes these changes and City are ahead, I might as well start writing because there's nothing that can really be gleaned from these last 15, 20 minutes of games. Um, and yeah, like, but again, there's there's a million different ways to lose control. And you know, they were, you know, if Pep didn't like that in the derby, then obviously you have to look at his own subs for that one. Um, but yeah, there's obviously other kind of combinations of players and performances of players. And like I said about the Brentford game, City didn't lose control. Um, because they're a Russian, they were just really, really sloppy. But if you're giving the ball away, it doesn't matter the reason. The outcome can be the same. Yeah. But obviously, if you do, you know, rush things, and you don't, and you're not patient, then you do lose the ball, and that's why he doesn't want them to do it. But obviously, if you just turn up and you're sloppy, like Brentford, and to an, to an extent Southampton, um, it doesn't help either. Yeah. Um, mm. So, final question then for this week, Sam, um, because I know there'll be people listening to this who have been getting annoyed a little bit by Guardiola's... I'm going to call it tinkering, but it's not quite what I mean. Um, yeah, there was a bit of that, isn't there? Talking yeah, about scoring through Twitter. The, the, sort of, um, the, the sort of idea that he's that he's changed the system again and again and again and again and again. And I, wow. I, like, would it benefit the players to have a settled system and a settled way of playing? Or is it is this just a case of, of Guardiola does this all the time and when it works, we don't talk about it. And when well, it doesn't saw, work, we, you know, we'd sit here and we put the question on podcasts. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I mean, during the game yesterday, because they kept showing Pep on the sideline and he was sat next to Mareska and I thought, I wonder how long it's going to be before people blame Enzo Mareska. And then I got a tweet saying, when are people going to start talking about Enzo Mareska? He doesn't add anything to the team. I was like, well, how do you know? And I remember thinking, I, mean, I saw the exact same thing about Juan Malio a couple of years ago because it was the, do you remember we said this before, but people were blaming cities nineteen twenty. On Arteta leaving, so Arteta left halfway through. The yeah, problems were already a, it, there. It was already going wrong. Yeah, and then and obviously, like when Malio came in, City didn't necessarily get any better, and they were like, "Oh, well, this guy's not doing anything." How would you know? Like, I, I in theory should know because it's my job to know. But like, but unless Pep says, or it's on a documentary, or we say, how does anyone know what this guy is bringing or not? So. It's a classic case of, well, results aren't good, so what are we going to blame? We're going to blame the things we know about. And that's why, well, you, you know about things that are obvious. So it's changing the lineup. And that's also why when we, and I'll conclude myself in this, when we don't understand what Pep's trying to achieve or a manager's trying to achieve or what they're trying to do tactically or what a player's been told to do compared to what we expect them to do, we start blaming that. But we're blaming completely the wrong things. And yeah, yeah in terms of, like, I've, I've seen some tweets saying, you know, Pep's changing the, the team around and the players don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Okay, there's some merit to that after the Chelsea game because Guardiola kind of admitted it with you know with Rodri uh, and Cancelo. Um, but, you know, there, there may well have been other things there in terms of Cancelo fitness and coming back from the World Cup and, and all this kind of stuff. But it's like a couple of years ago when City battered United at Old Trafford in the Carabao Cup with like a couple of false nines. And, you know, we asked De Bruyne in the mix out afterwards go you know where'd you come up with that or whatever and he was like well you know did we he say like this morning minutes. or something yeah yeah we talked about it for 15 minutes today do you, uh, do you think they're gonna do you think they're gonna be any more unclear on their ideas like three years later like they've they know what they need to do oh I was, again I, this was before Guardiola admitted that some of the players weren't sure at Chelsea but I was speaking to Nadam about it and he was like look if it's grass they're comfortable and that's what you know it's true isn't it like you just think these city players 
can't un- you know can't understand oh if I'm supposed to be here or I'm supposed to be there. All right, but maybe they're more used to doing you know if Grealish, if Grealish plays on the left every week and suddenly he plays on the right, it's not going to be the same. But you know what I mean, like. These are quality players. These are some yeah. of the best players in the world. It's not me. And and you, yeah, is I, it? yeah, I, I just think, I just think, um, it, it's it's a classic case of results aren't going well. What can we blame? Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully by the time we next uh, convene, some results are, uh, are a lot better because that would mean well, they've won the Manchester Derby on yeah. Monday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even. I don't even know. I, I was going to try and think of potential factors that could be blamed on Monday, but what's the point? But I mean, we kind of. But we kind of know the context. He's trying to he's trying to find the way to get Haaland into the team, um, and they got post World Cup problems, and you know they've had the Haaland thing all season, and it's been going pretty well. The World Cup problems have um, kind of doubled down on everything because if people weren't quite as sure about the 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 style of play before, but they're winning fine, but now they're not winning so much, it's more of a problem. Um, but uh, that's that. I think they're the they're the they're the big two. Um, but then I suppose if you wanted to moan about Guardiola and the way that he's bringing in Haaland, and if you were committed to thinking, well, he should do it another way and he should be more attacking, then you know people can continue to think that. Um, and that's something that's not going to go away, is it? But my job has always been, obviously I've all liked to have opinions on things, but I've always liked to explain the reality first so people understand and so I understand. <laughs> well, basically I want to, in this job, I want to understand what's going on. So then if I'm given an opinion, it's not miles off it. And then, therefore, if I'm kind of explaining and understanding myself, I want to kind of explain what's going on. So rather than say, well, Guardiola should be doing this, I'd rather say, right, this is what Guardiola's doing. And then we've got a platform to get into it later on. Yeah. And it's only around now, in the last couple of weeks, you know, after the Leeds game, I didn't know quite how much this whole thing was going to blow up. But I was after the Leeds game, I was like, all right, I think we need to kind of lay a foundation of the, this is what's going on. And now it's got to this stage, it's like, right, okay, we've really drilled this it into it. This is what's going on, yeah. This is what's going on. It's trying to find. It's trying to fit Harland into it, and basically the way you sum that one up is if they've taken a step sideways or a step backwards. All right, fine. Doesn't have to be a controversial statement. Yeah. But the plan is obviously you've got Harland, you've got Manchester City. It's a match made in heaven. If you've taken that step backwards or sideways, it's to go two, three, four forwards. Yeah, bigger and, picture you know, stuff in that. And Guardiola's still trying to find the answers now, and as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, well, the last seven days, um, that's not always going to be right, but. Once that clicks, you know, imagine it basically. And if and even if it doesn't click, even if it doesn't click in the way that people are loving the performances, would you be happy if City won the Premier League and let's just say did well in the Champions League, whatever that means, with Grealish and Mares? If that's the way it has to be, so be it. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see how it all goes at Old Trafford then this week. And that's the end of this week's Why Always Us. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Yeah, I hope you managed to follow the thread of that one. <laughs> uh, don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for £2 a month for 12 months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic. <laughs>